Hi guys and welcome to an extra special episode of the Freel Thing podcast. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. At Freelance Music and Media we do quite a lot of work in the social media field. We create a lot of content whether that's music, audio, um, pictures, all sorts of things for small to medium businesses and we're going to talk a little bit about that today with our special guest who is Richard Norman, CEO of Yatter. Um, Richard, hello. Hello. Hello, Greg. It's good to be here. Um, yeah, of course it is. You're with me. Joyous. Um, so tell me about Yatter. What the hell is Yatter? So Yatter is a, a new social media scheduling platform. It's very similar to Hootsuite or Buffer and it lets you act collaboratively in the future. Okay, because I mean, this is the thing. So many of us work uh, whenever, whenever we're doing our posting our social media content, it just becomes almost kind of like just kind of throwing it out there and hoping for the best. I think that, that tends to be a lot of businesses' approach. But the whole idea of of this is kind of making it more of, as you say, like a collaborative thing. Well, the biggest issue that many small businesses face, I'm sure it's something you face yourself, which is activity. That actually, what you want to do is maintain your activity on social media so that everyone can see that you're still active, that you're still open and that you're still engaged. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of way that the modern um, people will check, especially young people will check whether or not your business is still essentially open. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the equivalent of the, uh, the sign outside, the lights on and you know the doors yeah. open. So I think this is, this is, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, that the main problem with so many people when it comes to any platform is the lack of consistency. So, you know, they might post and say, oh, well, I posted on Tuesday, you know, and it's now Friday and they haven't done anything. And you're kind of like, you're not getting how social media works. It's about engagement. It's about being regularly on it. Um, and people seeing, like you say, that you're regularly active. Yes, it's certainly that. And what a lot of people are doing is, um, is really, you, you, we call it kind of having a regular message about your product. There's no harm in talking about your product on a regular basis or your service. And um, But what we really suggest to people is, is that you're breaking that content up with something that's more interesting, that's more, um, that's more away from that regular monotone message about what it is you're trying to achieve with social media. And so by being able to vary it, by being able to have really high quality assets of video or audio, this kind of thing, this can really break up your your social media and and just give it a a lot more variation, a lot more well-roundedness to it. Mm -hmm. So tell me how uh, Yatter came about. Well, I mean, what your background is? Is it? Are you in programming or? So I, I should explain. I'm a software architect. So mm-hmm. I used to design banking systems for a living. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've kind of decided to, to get involved in digital. Um, and so I kind of bring a lot of technical knowledge, a lot of technical skills to this. Um, and so I bring that. See, see everything in digital and in, in marketing from a technical point of view. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of the opposite of me. I see everything in digital and marketing from the yeah. marketing point of view, the, crea- yeah. the creative point of view. I, and to some extent, that's the secret of digital marketing is actually being able to put both of those two worlds together. And I've got one side, you've got the other. And in actual fact, hopefully this podcast uh, is, is, is the result. Really. Well, indeed. Um, actually, and that's something that we've spoken about before. And it's, and it's something that's very kind of a recurring theme uh, in this, this space um, is the fact that podcasts and, and audio the data for that is just, you know, on the rise. You know? Yeah, it's and, so important. And Alexa skills and, and all of these other... Like it's dead, it's dead easy to type something into social media. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can go off online and get some images from various places that are quick and easy. Actually, as soon as you go up into audio and video, then, then there's a requirement, there's a barrier to that. To actually have very good quality audio, to have very good quality video requires equipment. It requires some form of knowledge of how it works. And your stuff's just going to stand out more than everybody else's. That's mm-hmm. just a fact on social media. Being able to produce that really helps. 
Yeah, I mean, and I, I think you know, this, there's this thing that I, I always say about the idea of, of podcasts is, especially with um, a business who's maybe maybe you're kind of building a brand specifically or a personal brand. Um, I think, especially with a lot of people who are doing coaching or self-development and that you know the kind of space that um, I'm working in, that by building that personal brand, um, using podcasts and audio, people get to see you as a trusted voice in that space. Very much so. But it's also what we find, and this comes from the t my technical background, is that people learn three different ways. So some people like to, to read things and really have that detail of the written word of the specific items. Some people like to actually do it themselves and learn through the act of actually engaging with it. And some people want to watch and listen to it. And it's actually in that third group, really, for getting your message across, that audio and visual is actually an absolute necessity. Yeah. Um, and you know, and this is the thing is that you know, it's it's those three pillars. It's you know, written, audio, and video. Um, and you know, that's the secret to building a really cohesive brand on social media. If you can hit all three pillars and do them well, yeah. you know, then people will find you, engage with you, and you know, hopefully, then share that content as well. But it's, again, what we say, and again, this is, comes from a technical background, one of the, the sort of technical tricks that we would advise people is actually transcripts of your video. If you've done a video and there's a lot of um, spoken word within the video, actually, if you're putting it on YouTube, sometimes it's wise to make sure that you have the subtitles, that you have the transcript, not because the people are actually going to read it, because there's a very good chance they're not, mm -hmm. but actually the computers much prefer that. Mm -hmm. They understand the text better than the, the video or the audio. It's much easier for them to mm -hmm. interpret your written words. And so by doing those extra little pieces of effort, you can actually gain huge benefits because it's the computers that are going to reward you. Yeah. Um, and then from the, the just basic sort of, um, I suppose, from the consumer standpoint, if you're thinking about how people are engaging uh, on a day-to-day -day basis on social media, if they're looking at video, quite a lot of the time they might be looking at video when they're at work when they shouldn't really be yeah. looking at video so having those those subtitles on is you know they can scroll through facebook and whatever and they're able to actually look at that video and engage in that content and see it i, I can just say that never happens at my company greg at all but uh, certainly for that kind of thing, really the advantage of video is that it's just, it moves, it's gonna catch your mm -hmm. eye much better than a static image. And, and, and any kind of visual or color or anything that stands out is always gonna catch your eye more than just a static piece of text. I remember reading a, a stat, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, fairly recently it was 80% of um, content that's consumed online is video. Yeah, I, I assume that's correct, Greg. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you on that one. Um, I mean, and, that, and that's the thing. I mean, obviously, I try and do as much um, work with video as possible. Um, it's, I, I, I just think you know, there's just so many different ways to communicate. Certainly, with me doing the podcast, it's a there's a different side of me that comes out doing the podcast. And then anytime I'm in front of the camera, I become a complete idiot. Um, I mean, in the yeah, just that's, show, that's, show, the Greg, that's the Greg we know and love. Indeed, um, just showing off, you know, and it's just like, oh, there's a camera. I need to be ridiculous, and you know, there's a certain amount of that. But I think this is the thing that it's, and the reason I'm saying that is because it's the subtleties of each platform and the subtleties of each media that so many people 
don't get so many people post the same content on Instagram, the same yeah. content yeah. on Twitter, the same content on Facebook, not realizing they're very different. They are yeah. very, very different in terms of the platform. We're guilty of this as everyone. Everyone's at some stage got lazy and copied things from one to another. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is what we find on social media is there's very big difference between tone. The key word there is tone in terms of the, the, how you're actually conveying your message. So obviously on LinkedIn, it's very much a business to business message. The tone is very serious. It's formal. There's an etiquette. Yeah. If you breach that etiquette, there's a very good chance that there's a number of people there that will complain against you. Mm -hmm. um, anything that's really low end, I wouldn't advise you do any kitten videos anytime soon on yes. LinkedIn? I mean, how many times do you see people on LinkedIn saying, uh, sorry, isn't this post a bit yeah, too Facebook? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, and they're quite right. I mean, they mm. are. It's a business community. People don't want to see that sort of stuff at work. Mm. They want something that's actually of use to them in their jobs and that might actually bring some kind of benefit to their business activity. The thing that annoys me from a, a technical perspective is when people have the wrong format of video in each different um, space so it's just like you're like okay that that's that shouldn't be widescreen that should be a square video you know for for Instagram and, and it's these kind of things like I say where people are not thinking in terms of what the platform is or correctly having their well, the it's, right probably, format it's probably the first tip of, uh, of, of, of imaging on digital mm -hmm. is understand the difference between portrait and landscape uh -huh. and if you're ever taking the selfies or phone phone images the mistake is always to take them holding your phone up. Always mm -hmm. try to take your, your image horizontal because mm -hmm. it's going to work better for social. It's going to mm -hmm. work better for content that's going on blogs, just on all manner of different places. But just to completely confuse us and mm -hmm. um, make it really, really annoying is Instagram stories. Obviously, everything's portrait. So you're just kind of like, oh, God, i got to do this in portrait. <laughs> it's kind of like thinking, well, if I'm going to do Instagram stories as well as posting on Instagram in my feed, then, you know, it's kind of, you got to cover all, all the bases. But and. I think that's the thing that an awful lot of small businesses who maybe haven't quite engaged with social media um, in any kind of great uh, way, when they first start, it's like, oh, well, we've got a video, so just put it up everywhere, yeah. um, as opposed to making those subtle, you know, just, it, well, it's, it's like that thing that um, I always hear about, say, for example, I was actually just talking to somebody about this yesterday, um, say we were selling... Um, I was in a Chinese restaurant and the meal was in front of me. And I said, if we were on Instagram, there would be a picture of this food. If we were doing a post for the same restaurant, but on Facebook, there would be a person in that post eating that food. Yes. Just because of that subtle shift between Facebook and Instagram so that people engage more with somebody being in it. Uh, and people being there rather than pictures of food. I mean, and, and that's just become the kind of, the whole kind of cliche with Instagram that it's pictures of food, you know. And, and what did we do before we were able to post pictures of food? How did we know what we well, all I ate? I think the general idea was we ate the food and stopped taking pictures uh -huh. of it, really. But um, this is something I was talking about in a um, podcast the other day, just the whole idea that we, I mean, I, Totally, I'm massively big on social media, but there, there tends to be, sometimes you kind of go, you know what, maybe we should actually live our lives to a certain extent, rather than just through the lens of a smartphone, you know, but um, I digress. So wh where would you say the future is um, for social media in terms of how people 
in, engage with it? Is, do, you, do you think there's... Well, what we're seeing is we're seeing fragmentation within the platforms. So as time's gone on, the platforms have become much more tailored to certain areas. So as we've discussed already, LinkedIn's very much a business platform. Facebook has become very much a consumer platform, as is Instagram. Twitter seems to fall as it always seems to be the exception to every rule in Twitter. And that's also one of the mistakes that people make when they come to social media, is they assume that everything works like Twitter, when it very, very much doesn't. Um, Twitter is very much the exception to all the rules and actually the rest of the social platforms work in a very similar way um, and in actual fact if you've mastered LinkedIn, if you know Facebook um, then you, you they, they are kind of interchangeable if the big difference is tone mm -hmm. is that if you're going on LinkedIn, if you're going on Facebook the same sort of tactics, the same techniques can work to get traffic you just have to make sure that you're speaking in the right tone and that you're not breaking into um, the wrong thing. I mean, it's just as bad to go on Facebook and write really serious, serious business content on there, um, and then somebody will probably have a go at you for being really dull. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's just understanding these these subtle differences. I was talking to somebody the, the other day, but um, the same guy in the Chinese restaurant. We were having a social media discussion, <laughs> and um, and we, he was saying about Twitter, and he was just kind of saying, I, I don't really understand how this works. And I was like, well, think of it as a cocktail party you know it's like there's so many discussions that are going on and you can just jump on anywhere and just get involved with whoever um, and most people you know who you want to talk to are on there they may completely ignore you yeah but there's you know the potential to actually get in talking and and creating some kind of dialogue with people who you'd be interested in having a conversation with that's that's a very real thing on Twitter well the thing to understand with Twitter it's all public so there's no private, there's no real restrictions on that. If somebody wants to come and see you, they can see you. It's very different than, say, Facebook, where actually, unless you are friends with people and they've done personal posts, then um, you can't actually see content and they can restrict that. And so the Twitter we see is kind of the Wild West. It's anything goes. Um, people do a variety of different content and it really bashes into each other quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very noisy Twitter. Yeah. Um, if you've got any serious numbers on Twitter in terms of the number of people that you follow, then your feed becomes very, very busy very, very quickly. Mm. Um, and so I, we don't think that Twitter is a fantastic syndication engine for actually getting your message out to people. Mm -hmm. But what you describe is exactly the case that Twitter is a phenomenal platform for speaking to people. Mm -hmm. And that if you have actually gone and formally spoken to somebody on Twitter, actually it looks bad on them if they don't reply. Mm -hmm. So actually there's almost an impetus on them to reply yeah. to you. And that's great for sort of direct marketing if you actually need to speak to somebody. Mm -hmm. But the idea that somehow you're going to post lots of tweets on your Twitter and loads of people are going to see it, Actually, that doesn't work as well as it does on the other platforms. So one of the things we advise to people is variation. And it's not a variation necessarily in content. What you say is right, is that you're quite okay to take um, a piece of content that you've done or some kind of asset that you've got mm -hmm. and reuse it. There's, nothing, there's no harm in that. We quite often see people coming from press backgrounds or journalist backgrounds who are dead aghast that you could possibly reuse the same thing. It's just sure. not done in a newspaper. But actually, on social media, it's regularly done and there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with it. The danger with doing it is that it looks very similar. And so what you want to avoid is if you go to your own tw Twitter feed and look at the tweets that you've got in a line, yeah. what you're trying to achieve is variation. And in actual fact, if pe pe people think, oh, well, actually nobody's looking at my Twitter profile, well, they are if you're following people. 
If you go out and follow mm. somebody, there's a natural process where I've decided to follow you. You've yeah. seen that I followed you. Maybe I'm just used to being ignored. I think that's but what I, it is. I don't. I don't believe that's <laughs> the case. Greg. I don't believe that. I don't believe people can miss you. So the the, the key thing is is that people are going to come back and validate you. You followed them. They're going to now come back and validate whether you're worth following back. And one of the key validation checks on that is checking your feed to see what content you're posting. And so if it's all the same, if it's exactly the same content, repeated, 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 just my marketing message, just my marketing message, just my marketing message, then actually that's a massive turnoff. Being able to break that up is really important. Yeah, um, but this is where, you know, Yatter is really, really useful because then you're able to not just be incredibly annoying and just kind of post about, you know, yourself, um, which I'm... I'm occasionally guilty of. <clears throat> I think we're all occasionally guilty of yes. doing that. Um, but, you know, where Yatter comes into its own is where people in the community are able to engage with you and you're able to share each other's content. Well, that's that's the key idea behind Yatter, is really that it's, it's community-based scheduling, it's collaborative. You get to have a preview and see what other people are doing, um, which allows you to fine-tune not just your own content, but their content. But the key thing is, is really it allows you in a far more easy way to, to utilise other people's content in your feed. And really that allows you to break your message up with other message that's coming from some other source. And it makes you look more human. It makes you look more you know, normal that actually you're not just talking about yourself. You're going to include maybe some nice charity posts that you're going to support. You're going to talk about the friends and the partners and people that, that have supported you or that are suitable for your industry, for your sector. And really what you want to be doing is what we call curation which is taking other people's content and curate it for your following. So that instead of them having to go and find all this wonderful content, you've done that exercise already for them, and now all they have to do is just follow you. And that's very much a concept that happens right the way across all the social media platforms, not just Twitter. So let's assume that uh, you're a, a small business and you're just starting out and you need to develop your digital platform, as it were. Yeah. Let's kind of dare I say it, give an idiot's guide yeah. to, to getting started. Um, what would be your, your, your tips well, and tricks this, for this getting is started? I'm sure you're aware, out and about, when, when we meet people out in various networking events and things, I, I tend to be a fountain of, of extreme technical knowledge that mm -hmm. comes along. You're and really boring, Richard, can I'm, you tell I'm, you? I'm, 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 everyone's absolutely sick I just tune you out after about five I minutes. think most people do. <laughs> so what, what, what I can do is really try to break that down into real simplicity for you so that there's some reasonably decent tips there that most, hopefully, most small business owners would understand. And so the first big tip I would give to anybody that's just trying to establish their digital presence is really to go and register their website with Google My Business. So this is really, really important for any small business, especially if you have premises. So if you have premises, customers visit your shop, for instance, actually having that registered on Google Maps will massively help you. And likewise, it will help you with organic listing as well. So it's the process, I'm sure you've been through it, where you get the card from Google through the post and you fill in a code and this verifies your address. And once you've verified your address, obviously Google trusts you a bit more. Mm -hmm. So you are a, a real person? You are a real business businesses. at a location. You have gone through that exercise and the exercise has worked. And of course, Google just puts a tick in the box and verifies you as a, a, a registered business entity that it can track in the future and pay attention to. And the fact that it can does that do that means that it's going to reward you in some capacity. So what about a business who, you know, they've got their, their website built and they're you know, just wanting to make sure that it is actually kind of fit for purpose and people yeah. are actually going to find the things that, you know, they need to find? 
Well, what we would say that the second tip on the list is, uh, is is to actually run it through a tool called GT Metrics. So if you've just received your website from your web designer and he's telling you it's wonderful and it's brilliant and it's ready to go live, our advice, technical advice, is to actually run it through GT Metrics. And this will tell you how efficient your site is and how well it's built at a technical level. Um, so if it's not, not got a very high score on it, I would advise that you go back to your web design company and ask them to fix a couple of little small issues in it. So what would be some of the issues that you'd be... So it's really about trying to not waste users' time. So for instance, if you're serving large images when you could be serving a small image, that speeds up the experience of your website and Google will penalise you if it sees you doing this. It considers that you are wasting users' time. And Google penalises you for not having a web uh, sorry, mobile optimised. Yeah, very much website. so. That's very much the case. And that's been a case for quite a while. I think most websites these days really have to be mobile optimised, mainly because 50% of the traffic you're going to pick up is going to come from mobile devices. So it's really, if you are a small business and you've not got a mobile optimised site, that's something you really need to sort right now. What about search? So this is all related to search. This is where really preparing your website for and um, being ready for search. One of the biggest mistakes that people make is they try to do um, organic search in Google right off the bat. Okay. And it's probably the top end of the business. It's really the most difficult thing to do. And again, if your site isn't properly quite as optimized as it needs to be, you're fighting the battle with one hand behind your back. So th this is really the case of preparing your website in such a way that it passes all the tool tests and that also it meets all the standards of Google. Which brings me probably onto my third piece of advice here, which is um, to go and look at Google Search Console. It used to be called Webmaster Tools. And this is the third thing that I would strongly recommend anyone that's running a website to make sure that their website is connected into this. Okay. And this is quite a technical thing. It's not something that perhaps most ordinary business users would really understand. Um, but this is the way that you can get feedback from Google about how your site is being crawled. And periodically, Google will come into your site, it will scan everything that's on your website, and it will try to understand how your website or what, what content is on your website. If it has problems doing that, it will notify you through Google Console, Search Console. And so if, you, if you're not scanning perfectly, this is where all the errors will arrive, and you really want to fix those errors because you're making Google's life difficult, and that's not a good idea. What about hosting? Is that an So hosting's an also issue? important. Again, it's, it's back to this issue that Google is trying to see or trying to evaluate whether or not you are a somebody that is serious and trying to maintain their web presence properly. If you're sitting on very cheap hosting, it's very unresponsive. If it doesn't respond to Google in a short enough period of time, again, Google will penalise you. It just sees you as being cheap. Right, OK. Uh, and nobody wants to be seen to be cheap. Nobody wants to be seen cheap. No. Um, one of the things I, um, I was talking about... Um, with somebody else the other day, not the same guy in the Chinese restaurant, yeah. was the whole issue with social media um, as a funnel to website. Yes, it is very important. Um, but then that being the sort of the friction point for um, you know Facebook ads or whatever, and then um, the, the friend I was talking to is a guy who runs a lot of Facebook ads, and that's his kind of thing. But coming across that issue that you know a couple of months down the line, then. The businesses are going, yeah, these ads aren't working, and he's like, no, your website isn't working. Isn't converting, you yeah. know, and that's yeah. that is more the issue. The key there to look at that to understand whether your website's working properly or not is actually to look at your bounce rate. So the bounce rate um, will come from your Google Analytics. If you've connected it up to Search Console, you should get all of that fairly easily. And so um, the idea is, is it detects people that have come to your website, looked at a page, and then immediately left. 
And so if that happens, that's considered to be a bounce. And so if 50% of the people that are coming to your website are doing that, it's probably not a good thing. So you really want to be looking at that number to understand how the navigation within your website is working. And this is one of the other classic mistakes we see of web and of online, is really that the, the, the website itself isn't correctly navigating people to a pl the place that they want to go to. That's the key idea. Think of everything in terms of your user. Don't think that this is your site and it's for your purpose. It's not. It's I think for, that's the key thing, isn't it? So, so many people just kind of get it wrong. They're not looking at it from the customer perspective and they're not thinking it from the, you know, the user perspective, um, which is the secret to everything, really. It's, it's just, my site. Yeah. It's all about me. Mm -hmm. No, actually, it's not. It's about the user coming to your website and finding the thing that they're interested in as quick as they possibly can. And that's all down to navigation. It's about getting your navigation right. And then, obviously, you know, the social media side of things yeah. has to be, you know, that that key point that's going to help get there in the first place as well. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And social media is one of the main channels, hopefully, that's going to draw traffic. And we don't see a lot of that. So people that think that um, if you're going to syndicate content on social media and this is going to bring lots of hits to your website, generally on the whole it doesn't. We don't see massive click-through rates on that. If you're going to get hits to your website, it tends to be Google Search that will do that for you. But what social media is brilliant for is really targeting things and really um, hitting people again. It's a, it's a way of having a community, a group of people that you can just keep notified that you're still there, keep giving them the, the special offers or the interesting information they want so that when they are then ready to come back to you, they're always finding a route back to you fairly easily. Um, and then it's your site really that should be then converting that inquiry into yeah. some kind of benefit to you. So I think what we're going to do, Richard, is we're going to get all of these these six key points and we're going to put them on the Freelance Media website, which is the website that we um, have for um, all the social media work that we do here. So if we have them actually there so that people can actually, it's it's there as a, as a list. Yeah. So it's like check these these points and then it's, um, it's going to be of more benefit to um, the community. The community, that's what we're trying to do, is spread some knowledge around, make sure that people uh, understand some of the real basics here. And so that even if you are buying in the service from somewhere else, at least you can understand the reasons why people are doing things and understand the benefits that they're bringing to you. And also maybe to spot a few of the charlatans, which do exist in every industry. So if people want to find out more about Yatter, where can they find out about Well, obviously straight on our website. Our website is uh, yatter.social. Um, and the news is, is that we're currently crowdfunding on Cedars at this point. So if you're actually interested in owning a part of Yatta and being an investor, then we would love to, love to see you there. Richard, thanks very much indeed for your time today. Fantastic, Greg. Thank you very much.